What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain before we get started, I want to talk to you guys about a product that a lot of you are sleeping on from on it. It's our joint oil product. Now, a lot of you might already take a liquid fish oil. And if you're like me, it's one of those things that you really don't look forward to. So when we created joint oil, that was one of the problems I wanted to solve. We used some really good natural flavorings, some natural sweeteners, and we made this thing taste like an orange dreamsicle, like literally like an orange dreamsicle. It sits in your fridge and it's gonna be calling to you, just like those popsicles would call to you when you're a kid. But that's not the real reason to take it. The real reason to take it is that it's packed with fish oil, but not only fish oil, it's packed with borage oil, it's packed with avocado oil, and curcumin, which is a turmeric extract all of which are gonna to combine to provide a variety of different nutrients that are not only gonna nourish your joints, they're gonna make you feel better, they're gonna help you sleep at night, they're gonna just reduce that load that you feel on your body after training or just from living everyday life. This is an absolute staple. Helps balance out those omega-3 fatty acids and really nourishes the body where the diet often falls short. I mean, a lot of us might be eating sardines out of the can. Probably not a lot of us. I don't really eat those. I think those things are kind of nasty. But the orange dreamsicle, on the other hand, not nasty. The orange dreamsicle is delicious. So if you don't want to eat sardines and really oily fish out of a can, this is the solution. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey, save 10% off joint oil and whatever else you want. Onit.com slash Aubrey, that's two N's if you've never listened to my podcast before. Thank you, loveheads. Corey Allen is officially the most frequent guest on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He has his own podcast, The Astral Hustle, is busy writing his own book, and is an expert on meditation. But the reason I love having him on is, of course, for a couple good laughs and to help scramble my brain. So I hope you guys enjoy our little chat. So what's up, man? Man, just, uh, you know trying to just as i said more of i came in just holding on for dear life you know <laughs> um i'm precisely what's going on is it you know if you look at the internet it is uh you know it, it's it, hard to look at the whole internet yeah yeah it if, if you look so, at, yeah you have to kind of look through one window at a time yeah if you look at any piece of the internet you'll see <laughs> that that world is is breaking apart and we're close to armageddon if you look outside, it's a beautiful day. So yeah. that's actually exactly what's going on. <laughs> so you are the you are the internet, and what's the I'm world the observer in, in between those two, <laughs> trying to figure out which one of them is more right. You know, yeah. I think the world's right. Yeah, I think the world's right. That's my that's my opinion on. I did a big interview yesterday, and I think 
I think people, you know, the media and the internet, people understand human psychology is like we like looking for disaster because 90% of our thoughts are like geared towards what's the next danger. Right. Preventative. Yeah. yeah, Preventative. So anytime we can hint at some kind of disaster, some kind of danger, some kind of division or some kind of emotional drama that could create discord in the tribe and, you know, something that you might have to remedy or be aware of, then people will pay fucking attention. I think the energy internet has just fucking hijacked that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. It's, it's you pressing all of the, amygdala levers that it can mm-hmm. to get this fight or flight i better pay attention to this fear type of thing and also like modern life in the western world particularly in most cases is so easy to you know of course there's a lot of challenges and struggles and, and what have you out there but in general it's it, most people have food shelter water etc and so i think that the human body inherently looks for the path of least resistance because evolutionarily we were looking for we, it was good you know because yeah. if you had a moment to rest you rest so that way you're not exhausted whenever a tiger jumps out and tries right. to eat you or whatever you got the energy to fight it off so instinctively a lot of times we feel like oh no okay this is a good place to rest the problem is is it's not on the side of a rock for a couple of hours it's on a couch for 20 years yeah <laughs> you know? and so yeah then, and, and that's, in, that's why there's a whole economy around you know self-promoting motivational guys out there on the internet it's because like life is so good that people have to be told to get up and get out there yeah that's true and in the absence of external pressures and challenges and you know these proverbial dragons to slay we create them internally you know like we need right. that so we manifest that in our own emotional dramas and our own situations and you know so we can't escape it you know like you either go out and seek those stressors and those challenges and those difficulties and actually move forward with action or you sit back and cower and then let those internal things eat you alive Mm -hmm. you know which are much more difficult to deal with when you're not actually actively engaging in them yeah that's something i've been thinking a lot about recently is the what i've been calling the inner landscape is that whole um the the internal um dimension and spectrum of your own being and the outer landscape is the world outside of your body you know and so the key is trying to get the inner and outer landscape to harmonize one of the things that people you know don't realize sometimes um as far as i can tell (laughs) just from looking at myself is that the entire outer landscape of course is created by the you know your perceptual mind your nervous system everything that you're you know the whole computer of your brain that's generating the image of your selfhood that you understand is your your sentient experience is this tapestry that's all projected from you know your computational innards and so the inner landscape and if we look to some sexy computational (laughs) yeah i'm a a smooth smooth talker um but you know the the this this inner world that people are usually picking at whether they realize it or not you know um it's got these we all have these problems we've got this this door that's always closing to try and block off the outer and inner landscapes because the ego wants to close that door so it can trap the ghosts inside and keep your attention wrapped up on itself again another another evolutionary um byproduct because you know back in the day <laughs> pre-industrial revolution and a little bit further it was good to be paying attention to yourself because you know it's much more intelligent to be 
um, making sure there are no predators or anything right, yeah. other than staring at a fluffy cloud, thinking about you know what it might look like. Yeah. And so the, the problem comes in is that people don't realize that a lot of the things that, that creates that frustration and all those issues you were talking about um, that they see and recognize in the world is actually, of course, just a, it's, it's inherently compartmentalized and, and coming from the memory bank of the self. You know, it's somehow that mm -hmm. people are often seeing, you know, the thing in themselves, but it's packed away in such a way where one cannot, one doesn't recognize it as an internal situation. They recognize it as something external. And so this is a great segue to uh, what I did two days ago, which is I did my first ketamine therapy session mm -hmm. that I've ever done. And I didn't really know too much about it other than the therapeutic benefits. I know there's a lot of ketamine clinics that are going out. I've talked to a lot of the team at MAPS and they talk about how ketamine is, um, shows a lot of promise for you know PTSD, depression, anxiety, a lot of conditions. It doesn't seem to be as effective as MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, but it seems to be partially effective, which is way more effective than the current you know treatment model, which is a cocktail of 10 psychopharmaceuticals that you know raise serotonin by with ssris and drop anxiety with benzodiazepines or whatever you know like whatever the whatever the current model is is not working and yeah. then ketamine has some ability to do that so i wanted to explore that so i could talk about it intelligently and it was a really fucking interesting experience first of all have you ever done it no yeah so administered by a doctor <clears throat> uh injected intramuscularly and it takes about five minutes to take hold. And then the first thing I noticed was the music got really fucking slow. It was like okay. it was a, it was like on a record and then you hit that slow speed, you know, where the mm -hmm. record was spinning slower and everything. And I was like, huh, either this song fucking sucks and I didn't notice it. <laughs> that sounds awesome or, to me. Yeah. You know, not, not something that would suck. But it would like it would like drag and then like it, it was almost like it was uh, on a slinky. Yeah. You know, like Time the music was on a slinky. Mm -hmm. It would like compress and expand, compress and expand. I was like, oh, fuck, music makes music sound terrible. <laughs> Step one. Again, then, subjective. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a full eye mask on. So it's complete cave black. I had one of those mind folds, I think they're called. Okay. They're like really good eye masks where you could leave your eyes open or closed. So like full pitch black and slowly I started to feel my consciousness pull out of my body and reside somewhere between where it normally lives, which is somatically expressed, you know, generally aggregating around probably my head and my heart, but like right. somatically expressed and then pull to the right corner somewhere between me and my eye mask, which was this infinite space of blackness. And this happened you know slowly where it just kind of sucked out of my body until it was completely out of my body somewhere between here and there which was the only place i could describe it which was this infinite space of black right about where my eye mask was mm -hmm. and it was very interesting because i really didn't enjoy it like i was like but i didn't mind it either but it, it seemed like it was doing the opposite of what i really normally want from a psychedelic experience which is to feel more to like bring more of that awareness through my whole being and mm -hmm. kind of make it more alive. Um, whereas this one kind of pulled it out, but I recognized the therapeutic benefit of that because at the point where it was pulled out of my body, it wasn't, it was just like pure consciousness pulled out of my body. And it wasn't like in the astral too, which is weird. Like, you know, we've both been in there in meditation and things and it can be, it's kind of wavy and there's things moving and there's visions and there's interactions mm -hmm. and there's, it's alive this was like 
this was like a like Doctor Strange's practice world, you know. It was just like this black little practice world. Which, by the way, not not to interrupt this great thing, but just a side note, man, is that not one of the most accurate, you know, as far as some of <laughs> yeah. the stuff is going down in that yeah, movie? Totally, <laughs> they definitely had it. They yeah. definitely were planning some. Clues. I was in the theater, like gripping the like white knuckling <laughs> the, <laughs> the movie scene. Totally, totally. So anyway, I'm in this fucking practice world somewhere around my eye mask, and and I'm looking back. And I'm realizing like, oh, now I can do a real self-diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Like it pulled me away from any momentum, any like patterns or habits or things that were going on. And I didn't have a lot going on. But if I did, like let's imagine I was in the middle of a fucking a catastrophic emotional trigger because of my open relationship or something was really going on really wrong. I could see this pulling or even something more long-term, a longer-term depression or a longer-term anxiety. I could see, at this perspective, you're pulled out of your body and there's no pain. There's not really a lot of sense of love or divinity or anything there either. It's just like awareness pulled out. And then you get to look. You get to look at your mind like, hey, how's my mind working? All right, my mind's working all right, I guess. Well, how's my body working? Well, and the body, and when I was doing this body analysis, it was like I was just, skin, it was just a robot. Like all of the life and life force that expresses through my body, like all of the things that animate this body, you know we're we're gone and it was like oh all right well it's skin and tendons and muscles and bones you, honestly and- you're really just describing my normal waking <laughs> experience you're like a walking ketamine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then and then so i'm there in that in that space and i'm like all right well this is cool now please go back in my body and i started to get really probably one of the more benefits for me was like how grateful i am that i'm not living in that world mm-hmm. you know that i am in this world that where i am connected and i am fully expressed through the cells of my body and fully connected to all of the other dimensions you know that we have access to rather than in this little practice world like to me to stay there would be the ultimate hell it was so boring you know it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't painful yeah but it was just so fucking boring it wasn't filled with love and divinity and interaction and didn't have a body so then then the consciousness then starts to drip slowly back into the body and you start to get feeling back in your skin and feeling back in your muscles and you know i laughed a couple of times because there's it it this uh muji that that yeah. buddhist the laughing laughing yeah, buddhist yeah. he has a song that he just repeats over and over again i've fallen in a hole in the universe and i was like all right now i get it he's a fucking ketamine emoji i I understand what you're talking about but yeah it was just a really interesting experience but i'm I'm glad i did it and and i encourage everybody if you're in stuck in some pattern and you just feel stuck and like need a pattern interrupt need like a hard reset pattern interrupt this is a very safe clinical way to give yourself some space to then take an analysis like take a breather give yourself some space, feel nothing, you know, and then come back in and start to assess shit. Yeah. But uh, I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> like that again. <laughs> I, I think it was like probably my least favorite drug yeah. of all time. But it was really cool to ha- have something that allows you to shift perspective. And I see how that can create, you know, a pretty massive clinical benefit. Yeah. And I, I know you're no stranger to suffering in those experiences. But of course, one thing that people tend to, I think, think or uh, have in their mind as far as those type of experiences goes that they all should be pleasurable right you know and like you said i never want to do it again it sucked it's like yeah man it's like sort of someone saying hey try to squat 500 pounds or whatever i don't <laughs> yeah. ever tried is, is that a lot that's, that's a lot okay you yeah. try and squat 500 pounds or whatever <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, um, that's interesting, man. I, I have been thinking about what you were saying just now as far as space. That's something yeah. I've been focusing on a lot recently is just trying to like take some steps back and it's so easy to always have your nose on the grindstone and always just be in and it doesn't have to be on a professional level it can be on a you know relationship level or with a hobby or with yeah. your social network or with uh, yourself your internal layer peeling um whatever it might be and i've been trying to like just take a real good step back from that and get more air inside of of the of my thoughts of my yeah, because that perpetual action is distraction. You know, like yeah, what, it, if you're constantly <clears throat> moving, what are you running from? Well, and even, I you mean, know? look at, you know, I hate to say it, but look at Bourdain, you know, that's sort of a similar thing. It's like always moving, always moving. And it's like, it doesn't allow one to process. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, so it can even be always thinking, you know, always just having your brain churning all the time. And I think that being able to, to step back and just be like, you know what, I'm going <laughs> to, I was joking with a friend of mine about, starting a show called simple pleasures with Corey allen and so it's like the show is on youtube i just saw you being like the next bob ross just like <laughs> i went to the bob ross museum in new smyrna florida by the way it was oh, yeah. fantastic he had some weird psychedelic paintings the one that they did not show on tv <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh-huh i uh -huh. knew it we all knew it but anyway um simple pleasures man is just today's episode is peach and I just eat, eat a, quietly, silently eat a peach and stare at the camera for like. That was one five of my minutes. favorite lines from uh, from Face Off. Was when uh -huh. Caster Joy oh, yeah. goes to the flight attendant. Uh -huh. I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> Sleazy, but good. Well, it means my intuitions are, are well targeted. Um, but I I do find that you know since I've been actively trying to do that. It has allowed me to be more aware of some things that I wasn't aware of uh, on my inner landscape, and yeah. I, I think it's really you know, if those experiences. It's a fucking great! It's a great practice, man. Yeah. I mean, it's so like things are so good in my life, you know. But I have, I have, I had a day yesterday, and partly I think, I think ketamine gave me a little bit of a hangover. Plus, I did some other treatments that I think can give you a bit of a hangover. I did some stem cell treatments and stuff too while we had the doc in town. I really just fucking went for it. Mm -hmm that and whatever i don't know but mostly my own fucking mind you know i was having just a shit day i was being a cunt to people here at work mm -hmm. you know like in my own way which my version of cunt is still probably not as bad as other people's cunt but maybe it was fuck i don't know but i was i could tell i was being like irritable and kind of right. short with people and and like i was like frustrated about all things and it's like i know consciously that like my perspective is off because life is fucking great it's great it's so great but you can forget that whereas if i had just been able at that moment and eventually i got myself together and today i'm feeling much better mm -hmm. you know but if i'd have been able at that moment to just instead of taking everything for granted and being frustrated like oh here's my favorite smoothie let's just sit down and enjoy the smoothie okay here's my gorgeous fiance that i love and she has smells all over and let me just smell them and let me just fucking hug her and mm -hmm. all is good you know but we kind of our mind tricks us out of the ability to do that even when we know it like even when we know better right our mind will trick us out of the <clears throat> trick us out of the way out of our own little hell so i so there i was yesterday in hell you know knowing full well all the ways out of hell like here's all the doors illuminated yeah. with fucking exit signs <laughs> you know and here i am like nope nope i'm staying today sucked and i liked that 
Yeah, it's like the tectonic plates of the subconscious just shift and one of them, you know, sinks 15 feet and you just happen to be standing on that one when it happens. And that just happens, man. Yeah. Yeah, that just happens. And that's, that's, I don't know, whenever I feel that way, I try and just accept the fact that that's a part of being a human being and there's no solution to it. You know, you can try and do things to kind of get out of it or, or get some space in there. But I try and enjoy it in some weird way. Like, hey, you know what? I just don't feel good today. This sucks, but I'm yeah. going to keep it moving. You know what? And, and try and mitigate it the best way that I can. You know the way that I found? You know the, actually the way, the best thing I did was like, I'm feeling all aggravated and irritated. And, you know, and I was like, all right, well, do something fucking useful for somebody else. You, you fucking pity party, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, son of a bitch. And I was like, so I grabbed some CBD balm and I was like, hey, wait, do you want me to give you a massage? So, and like, I gave her a nice long massage and like that, at least I was like, all right, well, I've, I'm in a fucking shit mood, but at least, you know, she can enjoy herself and then she'll carry that positive momentum into today. And when I'm feeling better, instead of her being like, instead of me being infectious with my shit, you know, I just, even though I'd felt bad, I gave her a nice massage. And then, although we haven't spent a ton of time today, because I went right off to work, like I know the momentum of that action will then carry forward positively into the thing so i think one lesson to take from this is all right if you can't get out or you don't want to get out or whatever and you don't know what to do do something really awesome or nice for somebody else Mm -hmm. and even if you don't feel the joy from that because i didn't sometimes when i like give her love i feel the joy right away and it's like oh i'm enjoying giving but i was too disconnected and fucked up it didn't matter (laughs) i like to visualize like that (laughs) you just dead-eyed like it was totally like that it was it wasn't and i'm sure it wasn't my best but at least the act of it you know and like the the physical action of it was good enough that you know that'll pay dividends down the road and then today when the natural cycle reverses and i feel better then i'll have positive momentum instead of negative momentum in the household that i'm carrying forward and what you didn't do which is great is take it out on the outer landscape you know like we were just talking about earlier because that's what pretty much everyone does Mm -hmm. you know and i have this theory that like i'm sure you're familiar with kind of some of the latest neuroscience research in that um the idea that we don't have one subconscious but multiple threads of subconscious awareness and if you ask someone like donald hoffman who's been on my podcast he would say a a infinite amount of reductive subconscious kernels and nodes that go all the way down and so you know i as far as i understand the latest idea is that there is this you know these these multiple streams of subconscious awareness that are always kicking on and offline and that basically the notion of our selfhood is a harmonic of those subconscious mm-hmm. activities and there's a lot more going on of course than we can be aware of because our own self-awareness is limited to a certain scope and right. it's kind of like nested within this whole network yeah of and our purview into our own subconscious is so poor right, right you know like we don't the windows there are really cloudy yeah if if, if fucking observable at all exactly and so i have this this feeling and this thing i've been thinking about recently is that like there's the token example of of the person who had their uh you know, brain hemisphere severed and it, it showed that they had two distinct you know strains of subconscious that they were able to analyze and like ask separate questions um again speaking with donald hoffman he said in one case that a, a, a peer of his did one hemisphere of the brain was an atheist and the other hemisphere was a christian depending on which <laughs> one you ask so i mean it goes you know very disparate links but there's a, a famous example of someone you know as far as explaining the subconscious network situation of 
sitting there, they just stop smoking and then they think, oh, you know, I, I really, um, you know, this corner store has the best apples and they go down there, they go to buy an apple. And as they're buying the apple, they say, you know, I should just grab a pack of cigarettes while I'm here. It's like they were, you know, they were tricked, of <laughs> oh, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. by one of those subconscious networks into doing the thing that it, the, they really wanted to do, but it gave you, your gave subconscious, you gave you your conscious mind this Ooh, bullshit story. So if you look at that, that's the dirty side, but look at the positive side or maybe just a more instructive side of, of that is that um, whenever we're doing things like you were just talking about, you're having a bad day, you're not feeling good, so you decided, you know what, I'm going to go give... Uh, Whitney, the serial killer massage. <laughs> yeah, with, my, with, my, with my Dexter hands. <laughs> yeah, hands are ice cold, <laughs> fingers are palmy. Um, and so, uh, but but what's what's interesting massage. is that I think if you Hashtag peel serial killer <laughs> massage, <laughs> <laughs> if you peel the layers back on that a little bit, I think that <clears throat> what's happening to us whenever we go to seek. You know, we all feel like we're seeking in one way or another. Maybe it's something to, we want to make better about our inner development or something professional, you know, whatever the thing is, we're always trying to chew on something. Sure. And perhaps what it is, is it's the, um, the subconscious network is actually shifting in this, in a certain way, it's leaning in a certain way because the totality of an individual is so hard to be balanced. Like we just can't be in balance all the time we can try and strive to be balanced but when are you going to have the totality of your being like the whole spectrum every piece of stained glass is going to be perfectly in place at all i mean those moments are rare they're yeah. so rare and, and usually so, psychedically induced or some yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. So it's an altered state often, yeah, Actually, often when you're in harmony yeah. like that it really feels like an altered state of consciousness it feels amazing and perhaps that state is a state in which your consciousness has been trimmed down enough to where it's like oh i got this narrow <laughs> yeah, little yeah, yeah. this little canoe is great yeah you know? instead of trying to bend your own will to your subconscious right. you're bending your will you know, to or bend your, yeah, bend your subconscious to your will, you're bending your will to your subconscious. Right, you know? right, right. Which so is, whenever we, you know, so what's happening, I think, is when we go to find these things that we're seeking in life or that we're working on, is it is one of those subconscious networks actually straining and out of balance. And then it is like, hey, this thing's, you know, red lights going off, sirens going off. We need to, in order for this whole ecosystem of sentience to become back into balance, it needs to work on this area yeah. and address these things, whatever these issues are that are causing disturbance and pain in the actual organism as a whole. And so therefore it sends subconscious signals to the self so that the, you know, the conscious agent can observe those signals and then go to begin to address them. The funny thing and one of the reasons why I think that human consciousness actually works is because we think that we're thinking of all, all this stuff just on our own in the moment. It's like, no, I'm, yeah, I realized all on my own that, you know, in, in my conscious awareness, I'm bright enough that I realized that this is the problem and this is the thing I need to seek to find the solution. Whenever really, you know, the the bizarre thing is that we are not only walking the path, but we're also the path. Yeah, I know. And it's the ego, the ego as separate, you know, slightly related and separate from the self as well, like in communication with your subconscious and so many different facets not only do you does your subconscious have these multiple different dimensional layers and compartments so does your waking self so does your ego self so and everything is kind of working together in this machine and to try and really become self-aware you have to illuminate these processes and illuminate your motivations you know in a really deep way <laughs> yeah, and that's and like you know as that as my awareness of these things gets a little better and my insight gets better and we have 
things that stress that actually force this it's really interesting to watch even in the open relationship container i, I recognize the pattern of because always you know you take an event like you know me or whitney goes to see somebody else like a new partner and it goes well and then we come back together and there's you know always for the person who went and saw that new person that come back together there's this huge feeling of like increased love and mm-hmm. like increase and there's like so many factors that are going on but one of the factors that i wasn't tracking is that there's such a strong validation drive a, a validation to be seen as worthy of love to be seen as attractive and we kind of wear out the validation with our partner because we kind of suck all of that out of them yeah you know because no person can continue to give you validation no job can continue to give you validation. no external thing no car no plane no anything external can actually ever continually give you validation you have to get a new thing right. to get validation because yeah, only the, the only thing that makes real. yeah the only thing that makes you valid is yourself yeah. is the truth of who you are right so whatever whatever we still externalize all forms of validation so in doing that the one thing i didn't track was all right so that new partner externally validates you makes you feel more worthy of love allows you to love yourself more and that own self-love then allows you to love and receive love from your partner to a greater capacity because you feel like you deserve that love and so your desire to see that other person might be based in a lust might be based in a connection or fun or chemistry or whatever it else might be but it might be based in validation which largely often it is and then that validation when received creates that greater sense of self-love which creates the greater ability to receive that love from your partner which creates the tightening bond and it's this like weird it's this weird pattern that's kind of that i noticed like huh like that's a very fucking interesting phenomenon and then making sure that you're aware of it is really is the first step and it's not like it's i'm not trying to say it's either bad or good but it's just that is the phenomenon that i've noticed cool story yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like this this works yeah it's interesting following this narrative leaves me feeling you know rather peaceful and content but then so but the risk though so okay what's the downside let's say you're trying to get validation externally from this other person and that person withdraws and that person challenges your own validation and then challenges your self-worth and self-love so your self-worth self-love goes down then you have less self-love and then you have you're willing to receive and give you receive less love from your partner so that external person could also work the other way and that if they invalidated you by any reason like pulled away rejected you and you felt worse about yourself then you would allow less love to flow in your primary relationship as well so it's fucking tricky it goes both it It goes both ways but without illuminating that process you're fucking lost because recently you know with wit there's been cases where i've seen both i've seen a very positive encounter that increased love and increased mutual love i've seen it a more you know an encounter that didn't work as well where it was like what the fuck's going on yeah why is she with hulk from the event yeah it challenges me a little bit exactly so it's like uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic but i think it really illuminates how much and so the person like whitney in this example the person she's not going to see somebody because she's thinking oh i want to get validated so i can love myself more and then i'll be able to love aubrey more like these are all but that might actually be why she's you know exchanging numbers it might actually be why she's doing all of these things but it's all happening underneath the surface 
yeah. has some very deep drive to be valid and to be worthy. Sure. That's, yeah, it's some of the root of a lot of human behavior, man, is like making sure you're your fur coat is shiny and pretty while you're a little, you know, while you're cruising across the, I would, yeah, the the horizon of the jungle. There. And I think we're all. I was fuck. I just became illuminated to my own fucking rampant validation seeking for probably my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I still, and I'm still stuck in stuck in those loops. But I think that first step is like awareness. You know, like, okay, why am I really doing this? Like, where is this? Where is the subconscious motivation yeah. actually coming from? Yeah. and then the awareness comes first and then you have the challenge of solving it you know like the practices that will help you transcend that need for validation or that need for the quenching of whatever it is and then you're left with a very simple you're left with very simple things to more simple things to deal with like okay lust you know like got it like that's a biological impulse you know like you want you want something biochemically like okay cool like we can we can handle that it's a it's a body urge hunger right. you know these things like they're much easier to navigate but when the subconscious hijacks with the ego and everything's playing it's that go buy an apple and end up with cigarettes right. kind of kind of situation right. like that that gets played out a billion times over in a billion different ways until you like illuminate it until you can say I want cigarettes. Like as soon as your body says oh go get that apple you're like oh that's the store where the cigarettes yeah. are. That's why exactly. I'm going there exactly man and this is what i'm talking this fits you know precisely into the inner and outer landscape interlocking thing i'm talking about mm -hmm. finding that balance in the door or i was talking earlier about keeping making sure the door is pushed open so the ghost doesn't get trapped that's what i was talking about <laughs> yeah it's like the ghost is whenever you f you identify through observing the external landscape that there's something within yourself that needs addressing that becomes fear or anxiety it's like i'll think to myself like why do I feel anxiety when I'm talking to someone I've known for 15 years? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, what is it? Is the conversation moving around to something that is going to, that I'm worried about, or it's going to make me uncomfortable? What am I uncomfortable about? Like, why wouldn't I be, what would happen if I had that conversation? Like, <laughs> yeah. wh what's the end result, you know? And, and it's really nothing. The result of that is being able to, like, be open to talking about a thing, which you're actually not even sure what that thing is but the door is closing like the second you feel that that analyzation because your conscious mind you know and your ego is trying to trap you and separate you from any other new information or feedback from uh the outer landscape and it wants to just get you wrapped up in a room with your fear and your confusion and hold you there so i think that um yeah continuing to push the door open when you feel it closing uh and just man like I know it seems like simple data, but just slowing things down, like slowing things down, your, your thinking, your actions, everything in those moments, whenever one, you know, and whenever you or whenever I begin to f start feeling that, that sniffing out some of that electricity of like, uh oh, something's not good here. Mm -hmm. Just like slowing everything down. There's no rush to being, you know, like yeah. this thing is on its own, like, timetable it's not we, and there's this existential yipe that all of us have because the input of reality is just so overwhelming like like our minds are like the end of a wire and and abstracting reality is like electricity striking that thing but 
it's only from the inside in the moment. Like if you yeah. think back to your experience or you observe your experience through a camera or something, oh, it's really boring actually. But in the moment, just the process of abstracting your own consciousness is so like, oh my God, it's so intense. But it's really, it's really um, only because of um, the distance between your perception and uh, your witness mind of your perception. So if, I think if you can slow things down and uh, get, put some space in there, it yeah. really helps you think through those things. And a great way clearly. to do that is to like, the earth is slow. Like if you're in nature, like nature has yeah. a, that's like a, that's a cadence that you can tap into that's typically really slow. Like I remember I was really struck by it when I went to Africa. Because you watch National Geographic and it looks fast. There's always tigers, <laughs> fucking chase, like lions chasing down zebras. <laughs> that happens and like, like once every twelve exactly, hours for ten exactly. seconds. <laughs> and everything else is just long yeah. stretches of nothing, and everything is really slow. It was actually like the slowest place mm-hmm. I've ever been to. And everybody's super chill and relaxed. They're like, you have an afternoon meeting. It's just an afternoon meeting. Two o'clock could be four o'clock. It doesn't matter. You just like everything's like at a slower more chill pace whereas like that new york is like the uh, the product of the mind you know being untethered yeah, it's, it's like everything is like this had a bunch of trash yeah yeah, yeah and it's the most disconnected place from nature that yeah. we have right it's a, or hong kong or one of these it, major just cities. to reciprocate my slowest place was uh in iceland out in the middle of nowhere and like hours from anything and just seeing a frozen waterfall in mid-freeze it's like that is slow (laughs) slow (laughs) yeah and all nature is slow and the more disconnected we get from we get this warped sense of time we get this feeling like we need to do it now 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 check my phone check this blah 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 blah, now now and it's like whoa 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 so that's i think why people get feel so good when they go back to nature even going to the beach you know the rhythmic crash crash retract crash and was like ah here i am at the beach you know like i you tap back into that natural like rhythm that i think is a lot healthier and so you know i I agree with you like whenever you're feeling that use nature as a a new way to set the metronome for your speed yeah you know and then get back in line with that and you're going to be a lot a lot better off Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i i feel like the combination of drawing things down not rushing and having this compulsive reactive behavior and being able to really just take a good step back see the big picture give yourself some time and some patience to like work with whatever it is and like let those things whatever it might be that you're dealing with really take shape and form in the mind so that you can understand them maybe i'm just dumb and it takes me a long time (laughs) but you know it's just like slowly you know give them the space and then as kind of corny as it sounds like keep believing throughout that whole process because whenever uh, an individual and myself you know just speaking of myself um i was talking to like a weird third first combination person Mm -hmm. so that i don't like sound like i'm i don't ever want to sound like i'm lecturing anyone whoever 99 percent of the time i'm just talking about my own experiences (laughs) i'm trying to be nice here (laughs) but uh anyway you know man like in those moments of inner like working and really trying to deal with some of that stuff and thinking like man this is whatever it is remembering to continue to believe that like you can figure it out and that you can get over that that thing that is holding you back or that's got you kinked up in some way because like you're already working on it you know 
you just but the human mind it always is trying to play chess in front of itself and cut in front of itself but like whenever one begins to feel deflated or you know like they can't do it whatever it is in life in themselves like just stop and remember to like believe in what you're doing and believe and trust yourself because you're already doing it if you're at the place where you've seen it you've already started yeah that's step one yeah and it has to go in a sequential order of steps i think jumping to the finish you know is this kind of real issue that i think we have and so i love alan watts how he would say that if trying to get there first with stuff was the most important things then all symphonies would just be a giant cymbal crash <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like, just be like, right and then the crash that's it you know right um but th- this goes back to and then uh, that's the fucking thing like we're all ending up in the giant cymbal crash anyways whether like, you want to or not. <laughs> whether you want to or not so like are you going to play yeah. a symphony yeah you know are you really going to live your life where all the musical notes get to play and there's some sad parts and some heroic parts and some peaceful parts and the silence Drones. in between the parts yeah <laughs> like you're going to play the whole symphony or are you just yeah. going to hurry up for the fucking crash yeah you know like what are we doing simple pleasures with cory allen that's (laughs) that's why eat a peach hey walking with cory allen five minutes (laughs) but yeah man this this is you know the emergence of this subconscious stuff and trying to track it and be more aware of it um connects to something i was thinking just just this morning actually it was like i was reading this book by oliver sacks and he was talking about in some of his uh it's all about hallucinations and whatever and the was, man who mistook his wife for a hat yeah that's actually hallucinations is the book but oh, yeah. that is yeah uh, another good one and he was saying that um you know what happens what his idea that a lot of auditory hallucinations or visual hallucinations in his research and others research often are you know they believe that it's the brain trying to give itself a signal but something is misfiring or something is not operating properly one of the nodes of you know the of one of the cortexes is not firing and so it just pushes it through in some way to try to get the answer like the information the data out there so they can it can get there so it tries these different ways so it creates an auditory hallucination where you start hearing someone talking or like it couldn't get this symbolic or whatever the instructive piece of data to you that it felt like you needed to know and so it made you hear some person's voice and like that would get you because that was like the last thing it could do mm-hmm. or same thing with visually it's like you can't uh it couldn't get something to you so it creates this picture and gives you some symbolic image that you see so it's like look at this thing it's basically trying to hack its own um malfunctioning or something like that it's like defragging and so what that made me think of was that perhaps in the psychedelic cinema of the mind you know in the way of in your mind's eye in meditation or in some psychedelic experience or something like that that entire visual hallucination and auditory hallucination that arises is actually like points to the amount of data that's in our subconscious that's available that's trying to get to us and in those zones in transcendent zones it's like all right time to push this out into this way that like here's all this data i've always felt like that with with psychedelics i think you know really what this is is information trying to splash into your mind in a way that you can translate that data right you know and so sometimes it comes in a vision sometimes it comes in a thought sometimes it comes in a voice sometimes it comes in it's like here's raw information that we're either pulling from within you know into from our subconscious or pulling from 
our soul or pulling from the external or pulling from wherever, you know, but whatever it is, it needs to splash and cross over into the conscious mind. All right. Mm -hmm. So how's it going to do that? Is that going to appear like a dude with an alligator head who's telling me this? Cause Uh that's the way to translate this, you know, message the best, or is that going to come as, you know, God, is that going to come as, you know, or this sound or this thing? And it's, it's really interesting to, you know, to recognize that all of this is just, just trying to, you know, information. And sometimes information, the signal is scattered and confused. And then you get these weird hallucinations that take a while to like, what the fuck did that mean? Or, right. Or they're just colors and they're just fractals and they're just this, like, well, that's a very, you know, it's not a rational it's not something that could be translated into rational mind. It's like or words or like, words. We think that yeah, everything exactly. has to be language. Yeah, based it has to be like, language based. No, it's really often, of course, just a feeling. Yeah, you, know, you feel that thing, and that's can be more of the guiding wind than anything else. Yeah, yeah. All of the all of that just coming coming through. Unless you're doing ketamine, in which case, <laughs> well, that's in actually which case, why you get nothing. <laughs> that's <laughs> you get that's nothing. why I, some I brought it up. Yeah, that's why I brought it up, man. Is because it made me think about that whenever you were talking about that experience. It's like, well, what is the thing that's been trying to arise in your subconsciousness? The crate that's underwater that finally reached the surface and started bobbing. So you open that crate open now that it's reached the top. And what is it that's trying to get out? What have you packed away and yeah. sunk to the bottom of the ocean? And in that ketamine experience, whenever I, you were talking about it being dry and clinical and, and whatever, um, I was thinking about that's interesting is that then that drew you to and eventually being uh, selfless in a way and like going and giving the massage, the serial killer massage, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like, is that the thing? Like the reason it didn't need, it didn't need all the bells and whistles, it didn't need everything else in that moment to convey what needed to be conveyed to you that was this avenue where the subconscious is like, oh, and here's this thing, like be less self-involved or whatever. And yeah, I'm sure. saying that you are, but I'm just saying like whatever the thing might be. Yeah, well, it, it maybe and maybe that aggravation that I felt because the you know that massage came the next day, but maybe that aggravation I felt was the unpacking of okay, now that I withdrew the the control, the ceiling on all my own internal aggravations and frustrations, I removed the lid for a while maybe there was some stuff that was percolating up Mm -hmm. you know and that stuff was allowed to percolate up and then i was feeling it that day and then i had to reckon i had to reckon with that stuff and then the choice to give the massage was my way of reckoning with it but i can't separate the two events being that one you know i did ketamine and the next day i mean it was literally the most irritable probably i've been in i don't know over a year you know was the next day and it was it was really an interesting kind of because truth is, truth is irritating sometimes <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah i was just fucking irritable and then you know fortunately i found a, a cool solution out of it but um certainly that removal of the lid you know to allow that stuff to come through and, and bubble up now ideally the psychedelic experience allows you to allow it to bubble up and then transmute it and alchemize it immediately mm-hmm. and that's why i think like mdma has that advantage is it removes the lid, but it's doing it and washing it and coloring it with love and safety and security and understanding at the same time. So it's like pulling these things out of the subconscious, memories, traumas, thoughts. But at the same time, it's like effusing it with rainbow essence and fucking 
rose jizz you know <laughs> at the same time so like by the time you're actually looking at it it's like oh but that thing is actually beautiful and, mm-hmm. and allows you to actually deal with it whereas this one was just like okay here's the lid let's see what's coming up you know but yeah. it couldn't didn't have the effect to color it in any way or like help to transmute it into anything it was just like here's this stuff you're in a place where it won't hurt so let it go and then and then you have to kind of deal with it so it's interesting it's interesting tools and i think different tools have different values and of course like some of the other classic plant psychedelics they'll pull that stuff out and give you perspective but it can be incredibly emotional it can be incredibly scary it can be incredibly exhilarating it's it's more of the wild ride version of it it's not like steady it's not like a guaranteed path i think like the mdma and ketamine i think it's pretty consistent yeah. you kind of know the trajectory of what's going to happen whereas psilocybin ayahuasca some of these other ones you're like you just surrender to what is going to happen because you don't really know and you know you just trust that there's a, a wisdom guiding this mr toad's wild ride <clears throat> yeah there's a reason why one originates from the jungle yeah it's, like, it's a wild jungle man yeah opens up inside where do you think that a lot of the clinical research with all of that's going to be in the next 10 or 20 years? Well, I think MDMA is going to be legal in three. Mm-hmm. You know, by 2021, there'll be clinics operating. I mean, the data is pouring in up from the ketamine already. Psilocybin's in phase two. I mean, that's going to be legal in probably five years in a, in a pharmaceutical setting. I think ayahuasca already has religious exemption. I think a boga for uh, addiction, you know, that's kind of a next frontier that'll come on. I think all of these plant teachers and psychedelics and and they're all going to come online within the next within the next decade and right. i think it's going to be nothing short of a pharmacological revolution in which people will not be you know will be transitioning at an ever-increasing rate from these from this kind of broken machine hypothesis which is i think is like a, a major problem with what we've had that we're, our brain is broken and we need to apply this fix in the form of a little pill in an orange bottle we need to apply this fix daily to fix this broken machine you know into this hypothesis we have a machine that can fix itself given the right encouragement right and we want to fix it permanently not to leave it hobbled and you know requiring and having the necessity to have a constant intervention for the mm-hmm. rest of your life and i think we'll transition from that model of this we're a broken machine that can't be fixed maybe there's certain circumstances where that's right but i think majority of cases it's not the human mind and psyche and heart can fix itself if given a little bit of encouragement and encouraged on its own healing path and i think that's the paradigm we'll transition into and that will help people arrive at stable healthy steady steadier points still be challenges still be ups and downs but you know they'll be able to start to manage those and that's where i think the world really starts to shift so when that begins to happen and there is a the, you know the stigma of the mass population that responds to those type of breakthroughs or just um research and what have you or you know laws that are passed and that kind of societal uh fear that arises because of that and of, of the stigmas when that arises and then the pharmaceutical companies leverage that fear to try and crush mm. uh whatever the new laws are what do you think are ways that people can understand uh 
a bit some of the more realities, some of the clear realities about the research and stuff, as opposed to getting wrapped up in any of the the media that will eventually and inevitably emerge. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think the they'll be they'll be playing a, a lopsided war because on the pro side you'll have legit double blind randomized highly powered clinical trials plus then when it gets legal you'll start to have thousands of um, thousands of reports hundreds of thousands eventually of reports coming in of the treatment and on the negative side you'll have overblown stories of where it went wrong Mm -hmm. you know right now Tens of thousands of people are dying from pharmaceuticals regularly, taking the wrong one, overdosing on this one, having this bad reaction, lighting yourself on fire because of suicidality is a side effect of this one particular, you know, thing. Like suicidality is like legitimately a side a side effect of a lot of the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. that we have, right? But that one person who does mushrooms and jumps off a bridge can change national legislation. Right. That literally happened in Amsterdam, yeah, I remember that. where they banned psychedelic mushrooms now you can only have truffles because one person <laughs> one person killed themselves yeah well like literally tens of thousands of people are killing themselves on psychopharmaceuticals regularly but what they'll do is they'll take that one thing they'll use the fear to hijack that and make it seem like if you do mushrooms once you're probably going to jump off a bridge yeah. and kill yourself because you think you can fly yeah. you know what i mean and, and that that me- that meme that idea will get stuck in people's heads so they'll be armed with that weapon, fear, propaganda, overblowing individual instances. And then on the other side, you'll have hard clinical science. And it'll just be up to people to kind of put those two in perspective. Be like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, how many people have died from taking Zoloft and killing themselves? You know, like, let's not overblow this one MDMA or psilocybin related death. Yeah. Way out of proportion. Yeah. And you know what's crazy, man, is like I was, I was forced to take Zoloft whenever I was like 14 but I, you know, I, I actually would put it in my mouth, like whenever I was given the tablet, and then go spit it out. That's pretty smart. Because, <laughs> because you wanted to put it in your butt. Of course, you knew that that's where it hit the hardest. No, I just, I had this. I mean, I had this feeling even then. I'm like, I don't want to take something to like. I'm just creative. I'm not, you know, yeah. I just like. You don't need to fix that part of yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I just realized that the end of this thing is death and I got to figure out how to like balance the raging electrical locomotive of life and the energy of being against the oblivion of non-existence. And I'm already <laughs> thinking about that. I'm 14, like a suppression of, you know, neural activity is not the way out of that. And also it, it prevents the adaptation that's necessary. Like I'm not saying that in certain circumstances, pharmaceuticals aren't the right choice. Like we all right, we understand right, that. Right. But if you don't go through that hardship and come out the other side, you'll never make it through the other side of that. So if anytime you're going against something tough, like, oh, wow, here's some real existential angst. Let me medicate my way out of this. You'll never crash past the next level. So yeah. you'll be stuck in Super Mario level 2.2 you know and never get to 2.5 where it gets really fun and you actually get to fight bowser and, and rescue yeah. princess because it'll be stuck because yeah. the minute you go up against that pressure oh fuck existential angst i'm gonna die you know i don't know who i am really i'm figuring this shit out it you have to go through those periods you know you have to and and to really just recognize like all right it's going to be tougher for some people than others but that transcending and the fighting through that is what's going to create the adaptation which creates 
the strength of the person on the other side. And I think right now, everybody's so freaked out about these these temporary difficulties. It's like, no, let's fucking medicate, distract, yeah. whatever, do whatever we can to get rid of this because it's inconvenient. You know, these these harder, deeper, slower feelings are inconvenient. We need just A's in school. Yeah, well, how are you going to be productive? A's in school, and a, yeah, A's in school, and a fucking cheerful kid. Because right. you know, what if the parents? What if the neighbors come over and it, then our kids fucking and sad then isn't and that, wearing black it, and dying his hair purple? Like, yeah, God Which forbid. I was doing. Yeah, I was doing that. <laughs> yeah, too, okay, well, fucking put you on meds. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dye my scalp black now. <laughs> yeah, out of revolt. Yeah, just tattoo the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> That's not a good look. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, man, it's it's that's a thing that another you know, part of our society that is is just kind of I, I think it's the lack of maturity of our society in some ways is like we don't want to look at the tough side of being where you were saying that whenever someone's depressed or whenever someone's even just having a bad day or something like that, people want to ignore it or try and like fix it immediately, and it's like how about just like acknowledge it for a minute. Yeah. How about recognize that it exists and like sit with it and try and understand why it's there and like what it means as opposed to just, you know, trying to like talk over it or like cheer somebody up. I mean, and like being there for someone is good, of course. It's actually, you know, the thing to do. But how you do that is a whole different story. I really um, had my perspective change when I was talking to um, a uh, like a, a death therapist, someone who deals with traumatic loss. It was this woman, uh, Megan Devine, out of my podcast a while back. And she really changed my perspective on, on that type of thing where I used to think like, all right, you have this traumatic experience. Like for her example, her and her husband were going to buy groceries or something like that. And they decided to stop off and uh, go swimming real quick in the, in the river or the lake or wherever it was. They'd done it many times before. They're there for 10 minutes he hops in she turns around and looks and he's drowned like out of nowhere that's that's what happens like they were going to the store one minute next minute Damn. the guy's you know drowned and she i mean she wrote a whole book about it but her story of like the ems people arrived and someone like one of the ems workers told her something like oh well you know you'll you'll be you know feel better before you know it essentially and she said that she was just like, fuck you, you know, like, yeah. don't try and like end my, don't try and not allow me and steal my like feelings and push them away. Like immediately this just happened. And so one of the you know things as far as addressing like how we feel as people in the world, um, which that in itself is a lot to ask, you know, just being a person in the world, that's a lot to ask. But then we feel these, you know, these other deeper things that are more challenging and like, I used to think that it was, I thought about it as it being sort of this pattern of like, okay, you feel this way and then that goes away and then you feel better and then you feel down again, then you feel better. And interestingly talking to her about a deep trauma where she was saying that, you know, you've got this, this thing that happens and it's not about solving the thing. Like that thing is like generally a part of a person to some degree or another for life. Mm -hmm what it's about is adding things over time to that alongside that that eventually build up other positive lanes in the whole spectrum of life sure. and being and that you know then through natural causality there will be a space for happiness again and for positive feeling and i think that like you know that really, as I said, that changed my my perspective on just negative emotions in general, mm -hmm. and how in our country, you know, you, 
man, everyone's so quick. Remember the EMS workers are quick to tell you, basically like, you'll get over it. You know? I mean, and of course that person probably just doesn't know what to say and, and that's understandable. But in general, man, like we just don't acknowledge people's um, suffering. Well, and also we judge it. We judge it as a negative thing. Like it's like inconvenienced by you. Yeah, like we don't have the day. we don't have the long view. Right. And in the long view, you need the struggle to create the the triumph at the end to create the adaptation. Like, and it's so we have this short term view. Like ameliorates ameliorate the pain. Ameliorate this. You know, like fix it, fix it, fix it. Like it's reiterating what we're talking about but you're absolutely right like sit with those things and i think that's the the message of the poet right like go into the if you're in a hole dig to the bottom like figure out what's in there excavate it you know look around like try and figure out yeah what you're feeling and feel it to the fullest and then then when you're ready to come out come out mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> that's okay it's yeah. okay to do it like that and don't judge yourself for being in the hole don't judge yourself for being you know where you are just kind of sit with where you are and it's probably actually the fastest way out you know it's like absolutely it's just to really actually accept surrender to where you are and then find your bearings find your balance before frantically trying to you know climb out of the tar pit yeah. by just frantically moving and sinking deeper into the quicksand and then knowing that it's cool to actually you know and by cool i don't mean you know like a cool cat i mean it's all right to like tell someone how you're feeling Mm -hmm. you know that's this other thing i've just been picking up on like sniffing a a little bit recently it's like man people just they're um they're just not they're not comfortable talking about that because they feel like they're burdening someone or they're going to be ostracized by saying that they're like hey i i feel terrible (laughs) you know like yeah and people put on this mask and then they people often get in these patterns of going their whole lives like having to wear this mask of like everyone smile everyone smile yeah the sad clown yeah the smile. man and and also if, if you if someone tells you that don't immediately say i'm sorry right like that's something that actually really bothers me you know and i know that, that the, it's well-meaning if i'm like yeah you know i'm really having a tough time and if someone like coddles me and is like oh i'm so sorry i'm like ew no yeah like it's fine like my tough time is fine i'm just expressing it to you <laughs> yeah. like don't be sorry for me because for whatever reason this is gonna typically leads to some kind of value some the, the obstacles away like some lesson i needed to learn is be, you know this sadness is creating that so don't t- no matter what happens to say like you know to say like i'm sorry like be be mindful about when you say you know i'm sorry that happened because that almost also robs someone from categorizing that thing as a blessing to a certain degree and it's i get it it's like a polite thing to say you know but it's also like anything that happens can be not a curse it can be your greatest blessing so Mm. don't over apologize oh you poor thing blah 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 you know it's it's because that it doesn't have to be that way it could be something very positive Mm -hmm. you know you don't know it depends on what actions you take after that thing happens yeah and and also the, the the guaranteed positive effect of that is just not suffocating and compartmentalizing and pressurizing a, a negative and like part of human experience mm. you know because yeah. if you're feeling if you're feeling that way and then you don't uh you know maybe it won't turn into some enlightening moment or something like that or some benefit but you can be damn sure that if you just stuff it away that it's only going to get worse or or just hang around for much much longer no doubt brother no doubt 
Oh, we did it. We yeah. Did another podcast, Corey. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. On the way over Hooray. here. Hooray. On the, <laughs> on, the way over, on the way over here, I was thinking like, man, how many podcasts have we done? I don't know. Definitely my most frequent guest. Yeah. At least, at least a dozen, I would think. I liked my favorite moment was probably still where we were talking about <laughs> passing a kidney stone and then mounting oh. as an, <laughs> mounting as an engagement ring. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. That's that was, a good one. That's, that's a good it, one. It's we funny. Should, we should recircle that clip. I, I do so many, you know, and like yourself, like so many podcasts, and there's so many goofs, you know, that come out during the podcast that like you yeah. can't remember them all because it's just like a conversation, or whatever. <laughs> but people like tweet them to me or send me like messages with them yeah. from years ago. Yeah, and <laughs> one of ours that I forgot about was the pork chop mandalas. Oh, yeah. I was talking about shooting some pig with a giant fifty caliber, <laughs> and it just turns into this kaleidoscopic pork chop mandala. <laughs> so yeah, That's man, funny. there a lot of a lot of goofs, a lot yeah, of laughs, a lot of love yeah man um you got a book how's what's the progress on that are you talking about that at all yet i'm sure you are a little bit yeah 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 i'm i'm uh, still in the editing zone yeah so early 2019 uh it's now is the way is what's called right now nice um hopefully that'll continue to be the title we'll see what happens um but yeah just in the in the editing zone and then after that it'll be uh time world. to yeah, yeah time uh, to get it out in the astral hustle everybody check that out everybody check it out for sure please, please. check it out it's Give a lot of good stuff what's yeah. an episode people should start with if they never listen well it depends on what you like you know <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything a little bit of everything a little bit of everything there's some great episodes um a recent one if you like the brain scramblers like a lot of people like to listen because they like to have their their heads their mainframes melted uh -huh. and uh the, the last one i did with donald hoffman was particularly deep if you're into the brain scramble of the you know mindfulness kind of meditation zone the one with vince horn that uh the guy that started buddhist geeks that one was like way in the deep end of the awakening pool mm -hmm. <laughs> adults only not in the <laughs> not in a uh not in a uh, uh explicit way but in a in a like <laughs> or a, maybe yeah or no, maybe you. so maybe, <laughs> maybe so you. um that's a yeah that was a really great one and then um yeah coming up there's some uh, some really nice ones coming up uh uh dr vago this guy that's kind of mapping the meditative mind he's a harvard neuroscientist that's been studying cool. um how uh you know blood flow just the deep deep uh brain science along with how meditation affects the brain and what have you and also shinzen young is another good one to come up oh yeah yeah no, i'm familiar with man, this work no default mode no yeah. de no default mode yeah, network yeah, on that yeah. guy yeah always in pointed awareness i'll definitely want to i'll definitely want to check that one out for sure so always great stuff coming good shit brother good oh to see you my man me too and i just have to <laughs> what to be fair uh i do have to say that lama sultram alione she was the first uh female to be ordained a uh, you know, western female to be ordained a, a buddhist priest and she has an incredible story she was on a couple of weeks ago i mean it's like she has a, a book she wrote about her whole thing called wisdom rising it's really about the you know how the patriarchy has had a stronghold on all religious but particularly you know mm. uh, even the spiritual path over the the whole lineage yeah, buddhist monks can't even like touch a female right <laughs> they right. Like, shake their hand right and so she's like, like weird. Em empowering the divine feminine the journey into the mandala you know and it's yeah. really cool what she's studied with chogim trungpa and has done this whole i mean she's had an incredible life so for any any ladies that are listening i uh, i recommend i recommend that one it was very enlightening to hear her perspective no pun intended beautiful yeah thank you my brother thank you good to see you my man
Ryan, we out. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. As always, if you're interested in any of the tools for human optimization, check out onit.com slash Aubrey and save 10%. And also check out my blog, aubreymarcus.com. Click around. You'll find some interesting things there as well. And I just appreciate you guys. You were the best. So much love. And I'll talk to you next week.